Hello and welcome to part 3 of Psychotic September and my look at Psycho 3 from 1986. As I said last week, I've never seen this movie and the only piece of information I know is that this was Anthony Perkins's directorial debut. And that's it. So, with that, I guess it's on with the show and let's see what Perkins had up his sleeves. Starring, once again, Anthony Perkins, Diana Scarwood, Jeff Fahey and Roberta Maxwell. Directed by Anthony Perkins. The plot. Months after the events of Cycle 2, Norman is happily running the motel with a mother. And things are going great until he falls in love with a former nun, which sparks off the jealous mother into a series of murders. So can a local newspaper reporter save her, or will she be next to her mother's blade? So the movie opens up to a scream from a nun shouting, There is no God! Uh, then shows a nun praying to a Virgin Mary statue for help. And the next shot is, I'm guessing, Perkins's nod to Hitchcock's Vertigo, as it shows a winding staircase going up to the church's bell tower. The nun from the start, Maureen, played by Diana Scarwood, is screaming again, there is no God, as the nuns run up to get her down from her suicide attempt. When they get there, a nun struggles with Maureen, and she falls to her death. So with that, she is kicked out of the church and wanders the desert. And I thought this is actually from one of the own movies, but I got that one wrong, as it's from this movie. I always thought there, was, there is no God, it's actually from Omen 3, I think it was. Anyway, moving on. So while wandering the desert, which is a little nod to Two Mules from Sister Sarah, as I think it's the exact same church, she finds the main road. As the terrible mid-80s music plays, which is more like a porno than a psycho movie or a horror movie. She gets picked up by Dwayne, played by Jeff Fahey, who is a wannabe rock star. She freaks out at the plastic Jesus he has on his dashboard as he tries to talk to her but she's having none of it. So later that night, during a rainstorm, again, how original, three movies, three rainstorms, she's original much. They pull over uh, for the night, falling asleep, asleep. Dwayne takes advantage of Maureen. She fights back and runs out. So Dwayne throws her suitcase at her, leaving her in the rain and the mud. The next morning, we see the Bates Motel, which looks different from Cycle 2. It looks run down, so much so that Norman has a help-wanted sign in the window. We also see Mary Loomis' book in the dust as the camera zooms across and shows the house. The book looks like it's been lying there for years, not just a few weeks, but hey-ho. Continuity for you. We also see birds eating from a bird feeder, which Norman has poisoned once again, played by Anthony Perkins in his most iconic role, I'm guessing, as he appears with the paper bag and picks up the dead birds. In a nod to Psycho, we see him stuffing the birds as the camera pans across the table. We see a newspaper with an article about Mrs. Spool being missing for a few weeks. Then a flashback to the end of Psycho 2 as Norman kills her with a shovel. Dwayne finds his way to the Bates Motel and decides to rob the place as Norman has left the money drawer a wide opened. Luckily, Norman comes back and offers him a job, weirdly, and just on the spot. Just like that then. Hmm. So Dwayne, or Duke as he likes to be called, takes the job, paying only $5 an hour with free room. I want to know how Norman can afford this hotel and can afford to pay his wages and such, as he has a huge space and this huge hotel and this huge house yet he never has any paying guests it's always empty 
Ah, yes, he has all this cash and all this money and such, and every single one of his guests get killed. So how the hell does he afford this thing? But moving on, so much, much later that day, Roman goes off to get lunch at the local diner, and it's here we hear that Mrs. Spool has been missing for several weeks. However, no one suspects Norman, not his old boss, nor the local incompetent sheriff. Except a newspaper reporter, Tracy Vonderbilt, and what a name that is right there, played by Roberto Maxwell, who wants to do a piece on Norman about his insanity defence and his life after the asylum. Unfortunately, Norman sees Maureen getting off a truck and starts having flashbacks to Marion Crane and her murder in the shower, which has no music. I mean, just how bloody cheap is this movie if they cannot afford to play, pay for the psycho thing? Jesus, jinkies. So later that day, Maureen shows up at the Bates Motel, so Dick gives her room number one and Norman freaks out. So much so, he starts talking to, quote, Mother's body, as she taunts him, telling him to kill her, which she refuses. In her room, Maureen freaks out, looking at the Bible for no reason. So that night, Duke picks up Tracy at the bar. However, she isn't interested until she finds out he works for the Bates Motel. Back at the motel, Norman spies on Maureen while she's getting undressed for a shower. So he barges in, dressed as mother. He goes to kill her. However, she has already slit her wrists when, quote, mother pulls back the shower curtain. She thinks it's the Virgin Mary here to rescue her or save her. Back at the bar, Tracy tells Duke the story of Norman and the motel. She also says she would pay him for information on Norman. Striking out with Tracy, he picks up a bar floozy. Waking up in a hotel bed, Maureen tells a priest slash psychiatrist that she thinks the Virgin Mary saved her, but nope, it was Norman, much to the annoyance of Tracy as she chased the ambulance thinking Norman had killed her in the shower. At Maureen's Maureen's bedside, Norman gives her a free room and board for as long as she wants. As he thinks, she's marrying Crane or Mary Loomis. And if he saves her, he can save himself. He also reuses the line, we are got all mad sometimes. And that is frankly desperate. This is now the second vain attempt at connecting with the original great cycle. So this movie is much, much, much more desperate. Later that night, Duke takes his bar floozy back to the motel. It's here Duke and the floozy play some weird kinky sex game. Also, hear that Perkins wanted Fahey to be completely nude and a full frontal, but he refused, so Perkins gave him two lamps to hold. And apparently there was a joke made on set about Perkins being gay, and he almost fired the actress playing the bar floozy. But anyway, moving on. So after they have, quote, sex, Duke throws out the bar floozy, where Mother kills her in the phone booth while she calls for a cab in some OTT blood and gore effects. The next morning, Duke finds Norman cleaning the phone booth and finds the $5 he gave the bar to get back home in the till. We then hear Maureen's story about how she wanted to be a nun and how she was controlled and domineered all throughout her life by her mother and father. But she wanted to be a nun. However, she still had desired for male flesh. So this is why she was thrown out of the church and how killing herself would be her only way out of the torment, even though suicide is a mortal sin. But moving on. Anyway, back at the motel, Duke is telling Tracy about the girl he picked up and the torn $5 bill he gave her. However, she isn't interested, so she tries to sneak into the home, unfortunately. Norman comes back and chases her away. 
just as former high school schoolers are booking in for the big homecoming game later that night. So that night, Tracy is at Mrs. Spool's home and snoops around where she finds the number of the motel. So she calls it and hangs up immediately. It's a completely pointless scene because she already has the number of the motel on the matchbox that Duke gave her earlier in the movie. The movie then shows Norman and Maureen on a date where he teaches her how to dance. And this is supposed to be the romance part of the movie, I'm guessing, because this goes fucking nowhere. So back at the motel, the party is in full swing. Just as Norman and Maureen pull up in a taxi cab, the two then go into Maureen's cabin, where she hits on Norman. However, Norman says it wouldn't be proper on first date. So they cuddle and fall asleep in each other's arms. So much, much later that night, she's awoken by a party-goer alone. Norman then fights with, quote, mother over his feelings for Maureen. So he cuts his fingers to stop himself from killing her. And I think it's here... Anthony Perkins found out he, he was HIV positive because part of the knife was actually real and he cut his hands and he had to get treatment for it and he found out he had AIDS or HIV or other. Very sad thing there. So anyway, one of the party goers goes into Norman's back office to use his toilet where she gets her throat slit and stabbed in the stomach. Norman comes in to find the body and tries to hide it. Unfortunately, he gets caught so he has to pretend to kiss the dead body as the party goes running amok. So he places the dead body in a nice box where that poor actress had to sit in real ice for hours on end. So the next morning, the police show up looking for the girl. The sheriff wakes up Norman and searches the house with Norman frantically trying to get them out of the house. However, they have a search warrant so this continues to search. Finding nothing, they leave but not before Tracy has a go at the useless sheriff as he takes ice into the ice box, we see the party goer's hand and blood in the ice, which he eats a bloodied ice cube, making me think, how the hell doesn't he taste the iron in her blood? This is fucking beyond ridiculous, folks. He also looks at the blood splatter, oh, never mind, moving on, just move the fuck on, this movie is terrible. So freaked out after Tracy tells her about Norman, Norman's past, Maureen leaves the motel with Tracy as she goes to stay with the shrink slash priest. The movie then shows Norman frantically searching for his mother's body, finding a note from mother telling him to check out room 12. So going there, he finds a half-naked Duke and Mrs. Spool's body tied to a chair, weirdly. So Duke blackmails Norman, so Norman hits him with an ashtray and the two fight with Norman getting up her hand and he kills him with his guitar. So apparently Perkins hit Fahey so hard he needed between 9 and 12 stitches on his face. Back at the diner, Tracy gets Mrs. Spool's backstory, then hunts down her old employer, where he tells her Mrs. Spool was in a nuthouse, slash sanitarium, sorry. <laughs> so Maureen tells the shrink, slash priest, she loves Norman, so goes to see him back at the motel. Meanwhile, Tracy is doing some more digging. Finding out, Mrs. Spool was Mrs. Batesy's sister, and she is in fact Norman's real mother, and this is a piece of convoluted bullshit. This is a complete mess of an ending. Because the original ending, it was supposed to be Duke was the killer making Norman go bug nuts again, but they thought it was too close to cycle two, so they rewrote this in this pathetic piece of garbage. Anyway, moving on, back at the motel, Norman is cleaning up his victims, however, he has trouble with the girl on Xbox, so he snaps her hand off, which goes fucking nowhere. 
placing the bodies of the girl and Duke in Duke's car. He drives to the swamp, but Duke comes too, and he has a fight with Norman. So he drives both into the swamp and drowns Duke. Almost drowning himself, he gets caught up in the weeds as his victim's bodies float past. Oh dear God. Tracy takes what she has found to the shrink slash priest, but he tells her that Maureen is no longer there and is back at the motel. So going back to the motel, Maureen has taken a shiver and sees Norman running up to the house, so she follows him. Finding him at the top of the stairs, quote, Mother makes him throw her down the stairs, where she is impaled on a cupid statue and dies. And this is fucking pathetic. This bit must have been written on a spot, because this is shite, this bit. The falling down the stair bit just looks cheap. Oh, dear God. Anyway, no, thank God I'm not finished this. Just then, Tracy shows up looking for Maureen. Searching her cabin, she hears... Norman screaming at, quote, mother. So she checks out the house. Searching the house, she finds Maureen's dead body lying on a couch surrounded by candles. So then Norman appears dressed as mother and finds her. By the way, this is the first time since Psycho that Perkins was actually in the dress, although at times it was a stuntman. So he chases her around the house, speaking in, quote, mother's voice. During this, Tracy tells Norman the truth that Mrs. Spool wasn't his mother, but was indeed his aunt, and she killed his father, then stole him as a child. Because his father had an affair with Mrs. Bates, her sister, she thought that the child was hers. And it turns out the two of them were in the same mental institute, and she found out the story about Norman somehow, and oh, it's a fucking confusing, muddled piece of garbage, frankly. Oh, moving on, he doesn't listen, however, and has a flashback to the Maureen, and he beheads the dummy, oh sorry, Mrs. Spule's body, and then goes bug nuts to the thing, stabbing it and slashing it up and hacking it to pieces, as Tracy screams in the corner. I push show up and cut him away. In the back of the police car, he pulls out Mrs. Spule's hand, strokes it while grinning at camera as credits roll. So that was Cycle 3, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this is even worse than Cycle 2. Far too arty-farty for its own goods. There was much too much blood and gore. The story is all over the place and goes absolutely fucking nowhere, and this is a convoluted mess of a movie. They didn't even use the Cycle theme again. Come on, how cheap can you get? Oh, moving on. I'm going to give this thing exactly half of what I gave Cycle 2, which is 2 out of 10. Perkins should never have ever been given the director's chair as he just did not have the skills to pull this thing off. And the writer made a complete jumbled mess of a movie. It is too many art shots of red lights and green lights and the weird sex stuff and oh god it's a mess. Anyway, come back for cycle 4 at the beginning and then the following week for Gus Van Der Sands Shot for Shot Remake. Then October is Rocktober, where I look at rock icon movies such as Alice Cooper in Monster Dog, Gene Simmons in Trick or Treat, and Henry Rollins in Suck, also starring Alice Cooper. November is Nostalgia November, where I look at V for Vendetta, Donnie Darko, S Darko, and Nightmare for Christmas. December is Festive Fights, where I look at Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, Batman Returns, and Lethal Weapon 1. So I've got to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pods. Also check out my dozens of other reviews on SoundCloud at Here's Johnny's Reviews, where I look at Gremlins franchise, the Open franchise, and the Bond franchise, plus dozens others, and a goodbye. Mm-hmm.